Well, friends, it's lovely to see you. And can I add my welcome to Chris's? Great that you came along this morning. Um, uh, we were reduced down to one person to the 8 o'clock service and only 50 at the 9.15. So it's nice to see a little bit more of a crowd here today. Um, you guys push through. That's a, a great thing, isn't it? Um, uh, I, I, was, um, I, I was at the 8 o'clock because I was letting the 8 o'clock service know today, all one of them, that uh, we were going to change the service and there was, no one was there to tell really. So I, I told one and he's going to tell the others. So we'll see how that goes. Um, <clears throat> I'm, I'm uh, hopefully looking forward to seeing all of you on Tuesday evening. Please do come to the Vision Night. Um, I want to encourage the whole church family there. Um, looking back on this last year, I've been uh, gathering some information and looking back on what we've uh, achieved as a church in this last year. You know, it's quite significant, really, what we as one little church have managed to do, uh, both in this country and abroad, actually. It's quite amazing. And, um, but I don't want to stop there. I want to look at what God has got in store uh, for us um, uh, in this coming year. And if you're if you come on Tuesday, you're part of the story. You hear as we launch it, part of the story of what God has got in store for us and what um, uh, we hope to be doing as a church family together. Uh, I'm aware that a week on Tuesday, so that's this Tuesday night at 7.30, but a week on Tuesday is Valentine's Day. And um, uh, that means that um, that's the night that men can either get it really right or really wrong, isn't it? That's a, you know, Valentine's Day is a day people either love or hate or love to hate or love to love, you know, or hate to love, whatever it might be. I'm fortunate to be married to someone who doesn't really worry much about Valentine's Day, so that's all very good. So that means that every Tuesday has to be Valentine's Day. So that's, we don't have to remember just one day a year. But it becomes part of our vocabulary. Um, uh, this time of year, uh, love. Um, and uh, no doubt the um, uh, restaurants around here are hoping to be full that night. They're hoping for not too much snow, perhaps. And um, uh, the shops are, you can't miss it, can you? Every shop is full of hearts everywhere at the moment. I went to buy my daughter a 16th birthday card this week. I was entrusted with that responsibility. That was a big thing. That's the first time I've been entrusted with that responsibility in our home. And um, I was told which shop to go to, to buy the card and choose from. I got there and they were all, all Valentine's Day cards. I thought, well, this is no good at all. So anyway, I chose a card. I didn't just choose one card. I got home, Lynn said, did you get a card? I said, yes, there's three on the bed for you to choose from. I didn't want to get it wrong, so I chose three cards, you know, that we can uh, choose the right one for the day. But it, they were, everything was all about hearts uh, this year. Those of you who are reading the Bible in the year with us, on Friday, you'll have read that reading we had from Matthew's Gospel. Uh, uh, some Pharisees came to uh, Jesus and they said to him, basically, what do you value the most? You know, all these commands of God, and we've got the big ten, but there are loads of others. If you're reading the Bible in the year, there are loads of other commands, it feels, in the Bible, isn't it? There are loads of commands. What do you value the most, Jesus? And he says, well, this is the best one. He says, the love of the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. The, the value that God values the most is the value of love. Love towards our Heavenly Father. Love towards our neighbors. 
And uh, Paul says in Corinthians at the end of it, he says, now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. In Galatians, he says, the whole law can be summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as you love yourself. If you take the whole law and sum it up, love is at the heart of it. Love your neighbor and love God. Love is the value that God values the most. And before we get to Tuesday, when we as a church will be thinking about what we are called to do in this next year, what that might look like, how we're going to work it out, I thought today I would think about who we are as a church family. Because what we do has to be an expression of who we are. So we can plan all sorts of things, but unless we do it with the right attitude, in the right way, with the right approach, we won't be doing uh, the right thing at all. So I want to think about that for the next few minutes uh, together. You know, love affects every single one of us. We search for love in our lives. We search for a partner to love. We look for love and affection for our friends. We want the atmosphere around us to be one of love in all that we do. At the moment, Lindsay and I are doing the, the marriage course and um, on a Tuesday night with Barry and Val actually and uh, a, a bunch of other people. And it's really great because on that, we, we're spending each week just looking at different aspects of love. What is love? What makes your relationship work? How can you make it work to better? Uh, how can you make them work better in an atmosphere of love? How can we build love that lasts a lifetime? So I want to ask the question, what is love today? Um, we live in a time when love is portrayed in magazines and films and books in all sorts of different ways. And I'm not sure that they necessarily paint a true picture of what love is. It's often romanticized. Um, it's very sanitized, isn't it? It's, uh, it's, you know, everything happens in the right moment, in the right way, with the right stuff. And it always involves a nice big flashy car. And you think it doesn't work like that in real life, does it? That's not the reality of love. Um, most of us in, love, in life, when you're, when you're a little girl, like little Alice here, you know, you grow up uh, thinking that you are uh, snow white. And when you grow, you're going to meet Prince Charming. And uh, all the little boys, they grow up thinking they're Prince Charming and they're going to meet Snow White. And then you end up uh, feeling that you actually met Mr. or Mrs. Grumpy and not quite sure where that went wrong uh, as you've, uh, it wasn't as, this isn't as, as it's supposed to be. Well, what does the Bible say about love? First of all, it says love is a choice. Love is a choice. Jesus commanded that we love each other. Uh, he never commanded us to feel a certain way, uh, but he did command us to do the right thing. Love, he says, is a choice. You see, you can't command a feeling, but you can command an action. I want you, he says, to make a choice to love one another. Choose to love God. Choose to love your neighbor. And as a Christian community... We're called to choose to love one another. It says in, in, Paul says in Colossians, he says this, Over all these virtues, put on love that binds them all together in perfect unity. Uh, it's like putting on clothes in the morning. You know, you don't wake up and, and walk through the wardrobe and come out dressed the other side. That doesn't work, does it? 
you get up in the morning and you open the wardrobe and you think, what shall I use today? Or actually, if it's me, you look at the chair and you think, shall I, what shall I put on that's on the chair? That's what you think. What shall I wear today? We make a choice each day as to what to wear. And, and the Bible says we have to make the same choice each day to be people of love. To choose to love, to, to have love in all that we do. So first he says love is a choice. Second he says love is a matter of conduct. It's not just a choice, it's a matter of conduct. It's, it's living out that choice. We're to choose to love, then throughout the day we're to demonstrate that love. The conduct of our lives demonstrates the choice that we have made. Uh, uh, by what we do, who we are, and how we are. Um, so, so we're to choose to love, and then when we go into Tesco's or Sainsbury's or Asda or wherever it is you go, we're to choose through our conduct to love. We're to love the person on the till. We're to love the person stacking the shelves. We're, we're, we're to express love in different ways to the people in our workplaces. It's not... Obviously, I'm not saying you go and say, hey, I love you. That would get you into big trouble. But, but through what we do, through our conduct, by what we do, we choose to act in a loving way towards all of those around us. That's a wonderful thing to do. It would change the place in which we live. It changes the community in which we live. We demonstrate it by what we do. The Greeks had four words that they used when they talked about love, and they mean four different things. One talks about affectionate love. One talks about sexual attraction love. Another one talks about friendship love. But the fourth one talks about the unconditional action of love towards another. That's the sort of love, that word in the Bible is agape. That's the sort of love that was talked about when God expresses his love for us. When it talks about Jesus coming, God so loved the world. He so agapated the world. Unconditional act of love towards us. He gave himself to us through an act of love. God's love towards us. Unconditional acts of love towards us. And, and he wants us to represent those to others. In other words, as God has acted towards us, in the conduct of our lives, by choosing to have an atmosphere of love about us each day, we're to have unconditional acts of love towards other people. We're to live it out uh, in our lives. It's a choice, a matter of conduct. And with that, uh, choosing to love and choosing to put it on in the morning, living it out each day. And we're to live with loving actions towards one another. And you can put that simple formula into place. You can get up in the morning and you can say, I'm going to choose to love today. I'm going to choose that my attitude is going to be an attitude of love. And that therefore all my actions, how I am, is going to affect every relationship. You can put that formula into place with your friends, with your work colleagues, with your family, with your children, with your parents, with your brothers, with your sisters, uh, with those around you, with your husband or your wife. And if we live that out, that will change every relationship because we're living out the true nature of biblical love. Choosing to love and having a conduct of love uh, in all that we do. And I want to spend the next few minutes uh, looking at 1 Corinthians 13 um, and looking at this because I think that this is where 
the rubber hits the road. This is where we all need to be constantly reminded of how we are to act towards one another. How we're to live out this community of love. uh, 1 Corinthians 13 is often read at um, wedding services. And uh, of course we can apply it to a couple. But don't forget, Paul was writing to a church. And he said, this is how you've got to be as a church. He says at the beginning of uh, 1 Corinthians 13, he says this. um, If I could speak all the languages of the earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would just be a a, a a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. I didn't quite get that right, did I? I would be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal, but didn't love others. It's about an act towards other people. It's not just about... Uh, a, 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 a one other person but an act of love towards other people and this is how I think that we are to be as a church uh, together and he gives us this very simple list uh, verse 4 of 1 Corinthians 13 he says first of all love is patient now, love is spelt with four letters not L-O-V-E it's spelt T-I-M-E it actually takes time to love. It takes time and patience with other people. Patience isn't waiting with somebody while they're doing something. That isn't patience. Patience is waiting for somebody. It's waiting for somebody to make the right decisions. It's waiting for somebody when they should have done something a long time ago and they still haven't done it. It's waiting for somebody to change in their approach or their attitude but we're in in such a hurry today aren't we in so much of life i think that is particularly true when you live in a city everybody's in a hurry we're all we'll live in our own little worlds and we rush 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 really comes home to me we go to a uh, uh, we've got a little house in cornwall that we go to on holiday and, and we'll be going down next week during half term for a couple of days i think i hope we might not be but i think we might be we haven't quite worked that one out yet. But we're, we're, we're going away a couple of days. And I always notice it down there because what happens there is, is, is all the locals, they all drive really slowly. And we arrive and we drive really fast. And so I'm right at the back of cars. Having three children that now drive, they all say to me, Daddy, you're driving too fast. They've been saying that since they were tiny, actually. But they're now, you know, now they're drivers as well. Daddy, slow down. And I think sometimes when I'm down there, I think, I thank you for the tractors that just slow us right down. You know, we just need to slow down. We live in such a hurried pace in everything that we do. And the trouble is, because we live in this hurried pace, this hurried pace comes into our relationships. And it affects our relationships. And we get frustrated when someone doesn't change faster. And we get frustrated when they're, they're still doing the same thing they've been doing before and we've shown them uh, perhaps not to do it. We've asked them perhaps not to do it. Paul says this, he says, Be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. Making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Patience is making an allowance for another person's faults because of my love for them. So patience is quietly waiting while somebody else is getting dressed when you should have left the house half an hour ago and you know you're going to be late. Patience is sitting with a child 
doing that homework that you're, you did with them the week before and they've come back and said, I still don't know how to do this. And you go, didn't you get that last week? I mean, didn't we spend half an hour on this last Tuesday? Haven't we gone through this before? Patience is actually sitting with them down again and going through it again to try and help re-remind them. And why do we do that? Because we reflect the heart of God. Which when we go to him with those things that we don't quite get right in our lives, and he'd, every, he'd have every right, wouldn't he, to whisper in our ear, didn't we deal with this last week, Mark? Haven't we been here before? You know, can I just remind you that you did this last year as well, and haven't you? Actually, God's infinitely patient with us. And, and through his patience, he shapes and molds our character. And he says, I want you to reflect that same patience in love with other people. We all struggle with this, don't we? It's a, a, a lifetime challenge, a lifetime growth thing. Our example in being patient is God himself because he waits patiently for us. So love is spelt T-I-M-E. It's expressed in patience with one another. Love is patient, he says. And then Paul says, love is patient and it's kind. Kindness is caring for someone in the practical and small details of life. Through acts of kindness, we have the power to change another person's life. Be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God has forgiven you. That's what Paul says in Ephesians. Be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another just as God has forgiven you. To be kind is to be tender towards one another. That means I care for you. Kindness says I care. I care about you. It's not just about the task or the issue or the problem or the, the moment. It's, it says I care for you in who you are. Kindness means that I act towards others like God has acted towards me. Kindness means that I have a tender and forgiving heart and it's expressed through patience and kindness next he says it's not jealous Paul says love is patient and kind love is not jealous or boastful or proud in other words I don't have to big myself up or make more of myself uh, in a more powerful way it's all about security isn't it if I've got security, the security of love in my life, I can just be me. Security makes all the difference in a relationship. Security is, the, is one of the number one issues in a relationship. If you add insecurity into a relationship, it begins to tear a relationship apart. Which is why... When anybody ever says to Lindsay and I, who are married, that they're thinking of having a trial separation, we holler back very loudly, don't do that. Because that just adds insecurity. You can never sort out your issues by being apart. You still need to be together. You need to be in the place where you talk to one another. That is the only way to do it. If you leave once, insecurity comes in and insecurity tears relationships apart. That's why friends, friendships can tear apart. People stop talking to one another. Insecurity comes into the relationship. 
Any insecurity in a relationship damages a relationship. The words from God to us in Romans 8 says this, nothing can separate you from my love. That's what he says. God says to us, nothing can separate you from my love. Why? Because God wants us to have his security of his love in our lives. Nothing, he says, can separate you from my love. Be secure in my love for you. Wherever you go, whatever you do, whatever's gone on, I am patient and kind and tender and merciful and forgiving and nothing is going to separate you from my love. God basically says, I am not going to abandon you. I will always walk with you. And love and a relationship, that's what we're to reflect the same values with other people. Uh, Even today, perhaps, you could express to somebody uh, your love to them by giving them security, by assuring them of your commitment to being in a relationship. Lindsay and I have a little phrase in our marriage relationship. Uh, We say this, we say we've locked the escape hatch. That changes it, you know. Every now and again, not often obviously, but every now and again we might have one of those discussions that's a little more robust than other times. And when we do, you know, running through our minds is, well, we're still going to be together in 30 years. Is this really worth it? You know, does it really matter that we've got pink walls again? You know, all of that sort of thing. The things that you don't necessarily want, does it? We haven't got pink walls anymore, actually. They went, didn't they, darling? It's a marvelous thing. But we, the, 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 the insecurity, if you, bring, if you bring insecurity in, it, it starts bringing... A, Uh, it starts tearing a relationship apart security is really important in a relationship that's why children need the security of a parent's relationship you know the security of a mum and dad being together a mum and dad staying together I'm sure I'm not the only parent who's uh, who's at some point had a child come home and say mum and dad you're not going to part are you when they've heard of other parents of school parting. They're looking for security. They're looking for that in a relationship. It helps me, they're saying, because it makes me feel loved, knowing that there's security. Uh, Next, Paul says, love is not rude or self-seeking. It's not irritable. It keeps no record of wrongs. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. In other words, it's not selfish. Love isn't selfish. Rudeness is a sign of selfishness. Self-seeking is a sign of selfishness. Easily angered means we're selfish. We're putting over our point of view, not allowing for others. Keeping a record of wrongs means that you're continually reminding people of their faults. That's selfish. Being able to run through that little book in your mind that we bring stuff up again and again and again rather than knowing that when we dealt with it, we've dealt with it and we've drawn a line and we're not going to bring that up again. Most relationships really struggle with that. We drag stuff up from the past to add weight to our side of an argument. You see, that's what breaks a relationship. But he says, love keeps no record of wrongs. We've let it go. We've let it go. You can do this in a friend, with a friendship, with parents, with brothers, with sisters. You can do it with your work colleagues, we've let things go and we move on. Why? Because we want to be people who express and reflect 
the love of our Heavenly Father in every relationship uh, that we have. Being rude is being selfish with our words. Being self-seeking is being selfish with our plans. Being easily angered is being selfish with our attitudes. Keeping a record of wrongs is being selfish in our approach. Love isn't selfish. It changes the way we use our words, the way we make our plans, the way we allow our attitudes to work out in our lives. God selflessly loved us. Friends, love is the greatest adventure you will ever take, but it's also the greatest risk. Because in love, we get hurt, but also we find fulfillment. And we are called to be, as Christians, people who demonstrate this kind of love to others. Paul writing to the church is saying, this is how you're to be as a church. This is how we're to be as a church. And he finishes with this in verse 7. He says, love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful and endures through ever circumstance. To never give up is to have a belief in something, isn't it? We all need someone to believe in us. To believe for the future, to believe for tomorrow, to believe for a new day. I think that people struggle over this time of year. Obviously not on a day like today because it's snowing and we should all be a bit Tigger-like and be out you know, doing stuff we should do, uh, throwing snowballs and things. I, I did look out of the front door in between the services and I see that some of you had to run the gauntlet of snowballs being thrown as you came into church. And you probably thought, oh, this is ridiculous. We can't even get in the place now without being attacked. But that's what today, the day like today, that's supposed to be like that, isn't it? We're supposed to have fun and do that sort of thing and get inside with wet clothes afterwards and be freezing cold. I, I was down in Eastbourne yesterday speaking at a conference and I, I came back last night and I arrived um, uh, around 11, 11.15 at home last night and um, uh, put, it had been a long, slow drive around the M25 and um, uh, covered in snow and saw a number of little pile-ups. We were all on the inside lane. I was behind a double-decker bus. I don't think double-decker buses were allowed on the M25. But there was a double-decker bus. I thought, he's taking a wrong turn. He shouldn't be here. I'm sure he shouldn't be here. The people on that bus are going to end up in the wrong place tonight. Anyway, I'm behind a double-decker bus. And I'm like, it's good because he's heavy. You know, and he splurges all the snow out of the way. So there's a whole queue of us. We're doing 20 miles an hour on the M25. And down the outside lane, every now and again, there's a car goes, and I'm thinking, oh dear. And as we're going around, I saw three lots of pile-ups. And I I, I didn't see if it was them, but I thought, I bet it's those who go, down there. And then all of a sudden they go, you know, and have their little snow uh, fairground ride and end up bashing up their car. But we're we're coming around the M25, and I, I arrived home, I arrived home last night, there was this whole bunch of people outside our house getting snowballs and throwing them around I was thinking oh gosh there's a whole bunch of people there from the you know coming from town I'll just go in quickly I got inside there were no children in my house they were all out there I was thinking that rowdy lot and they belong to us it's very embarrassing you know um Uh, this is the time of year isn't it when it's dark and cold and the busyness of Christmas is over and people do find January, February quite difficult times of year people find it quite hard work Um, we start reviewing uh, the the, the year to come and the year that's been and it's all too easy to think about giving up 
To not give up is to say, I believe in you. I believe in God who's got something for me this year. I believe in the future. I believe in my partner. I believe in my friends. I believe in my parents and those who will stand with me. I believe that to have someone, but to have someone believe in you does something very special for you. I believe in you. It says, I want the best for you. I trust in you. You're part of the rock that holds me together. I believe in you. Uh, I, I, I'm only able to do what I do in the way that I do it in different places in this country and abroad because I am secure in the love that my father has for me and I believe he believes in me and I believe in him. And I live with somebody who believes in me and I believe in her. And I think that empowers us to do so much more uh, in life. And it's hope is the thing that keeps us going. Hope is like the sun, which as we journey towards it, it casts the shadow of our burdens behind us. Um, Having a hope for the future, a belief for the future, that God has stuff in store for you. But we can't do that in our own strength. We need help to do that. If you, go on, if you go on a long walk, we love going on walks, don't we? And, and, and you get to the, a flat area, that's really nice and easy to walk on. I, I was up in Leicester last week, and I got up early one morning, went for a run. And uh, uh, I was out running. In fact, Phil George went for a run in the same place. And I, 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 I went for a run, and uh, after a while I was thinking, golly, this is hard work. And I got to the top of this thing, I looked back and I thought, that hill is more uphill than I thought it was when I started out. And I thought, I should enjoy the little skip back down at the end of the run. And you run along a flat bit, you know. When we, the, the truth is, we often hit hills in our lives, don't we? And um, uh, they can seem really steep. But once you climb over them, there is a sense of achievement. And if we do that in our relationships together, and we work at it together, then life is all the richer for it. Too many people bail out when life gets a little bit tough, uh, not realizing that when they're over that hill and they've reached the summit, there's a brighter future and a new landscape. We just need hope and a belief. How can we do that? Well, Paul talked about loving your neighbor, but he also talked in the Bible. Uh, and we read in the, Bible of the year, this, in the Bible of the Year this week, Jesus talked about to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. It's the love of God that will empower us to do this. It's God that gives us the strength to do this. It's the love of God that feeds our hope. It's the love of God that helps us. You see, God, our Heavenly Father, wants to show his love to you. He wants to love you and he wants to help you and empower you to love other people. The power to help us is God's love for you and for me. And he, are, he wants us just to ask him daily, Lord, would you help me as I get up today to choose to love? Would you help me as I live throughout the day for my conduct to be conduct of love? Would you help me as I go through the day to be full of patience and kindness, not jealous or boastful or proud or rude, not demanding my own way, not keeping a record of wrongs, not being irritable? Would you help me to ensure that love and truth wins out? That love never loses faith. It's always hopeful and endures in every circumstance. Would you help me, Lord, today 
to live that out as a person. And that's the sort of church that we're called to be. We're to be a church with love right at the heart of it. We're to live lives with love right at the heart of it. And if we can live in such a way, we're told that they will know we're Jesus' disciples by the love that we have for one another and by the love that we have for others around us. On Tuesday, we're going to look at how we can live that out together as a church and make a significant difference in this community, further afield across the city of London, across the nation, and even touching other parts of the world. And I want to encourage you to come and be with us on Tuesday night as we open up the chapter of 2012 for us as a church family uh, together. But just to finish this morning, it may just be that you would today say, do you know, I'm not always as loving as I should be. And I'm not always as loving as I want to be. Or, or, or maybe I just need someone to believe in me, to love me. I need someone to help me in life. And before we go this morning, I'd love us to pray for you. I, I think probably, probably every single person in this room could respond to that. You're... That I'm not going to ask you to do this. Keep your hands in your laps. How many people, keep your hands in your laps, how many people are not as loving as they should be all the time? I'd be the first to raise my hand. You keep your hands in your laps. I'd be the first to raise my hand. We don't always get it right, do we? How many people have got a little extra room to love somebody else and would, would love to, in their life, find somebody else to believe in and empower and enable to become all that God wants them to be? I bet every single one of us would like to do that. How many else would love, how many people, other people here would love to have other people go, I want, I want you to have faith in me as well and we can work this together. I bet every single one of us could do that. So I think every single one of us could respond this morning. And I want to encourage those of you for whom God has just nudged you this morning to come in the next few minutes and we're going to have some ministry and we're going to ask God to help us to be more loving people to make the choice each morning to live love, to throughout the day be live a conduct of love and have those characteristics of love uh, exampled in our lives to other people. Is that okay?